Welcome back to The Small Business Show. I'm your host, Lori Brooks. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. I am super excited to welcome today's guest, Owen McGab-Anoa, CEO and founder of Sweet Process, an easy-to-use software that enables company executives and their employees to collaborate together to quickly document and or improve their standard operating procedures, processes, and policies. Owen, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me today. Laurie, thanks for having me on your show. Certainly. I am super excited to dive into your journey as an entrepreneur and to dive into your software. I am just so excited about what you've created. It's ridiculous. But before we get there, I want to rewind the clock just a bit. I want to go back to elementary or junior high school. Think about a time when an aunt or an uncle would have asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Owen, what was your answer to that question back then? Well, for me, I think I've always, you know, I grew up in a household where, you know, mom and dad kind of, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom, she, although she wasn't an educator, but she also had, uh, you know, uh, business and side hustles on the side. Because, like, I remember, uh, you know, she was actually, she had a, like a, a business where she would sew like uh, uniforms for like mm. different primary schools. So I'm just back, back story. I'm from Nigeria. So we go, we, you know, we talk about schools called primary schools, secondary schools, mm-hmm. and so on. But so she would sew uniforms for them. So that's what she used to do. So my, mm-hmm. I always grew up in a entrepreneurial um, uh, background. So in the back of my mind, I always knew that, you know, I would be an entrepreneur. I even remember back in the days I would uh, get like uh, uh videos videos and all that stuff and and basically i maybe you could say a little bit bootleg whatever but <laughs> renting out the people <laughs> yeah renting out the people so they you know watch the, the videos and stuff so it's always been something that i yeah i always you know i knew i would be an entrepreneur yeah kudos to mom and dad for exposing you so early in life immediately just making sure you understood you can do this for you that is something that is so not often instilled. You've no idea how many people I've interviewed. And I myself grew up with parents who had jobs, who worked, and we were taught to, you know, go to school, get a job. And that was what we thought life was supposed to be. So kudos to your parents for making sure that you understood what entrepreneurship was early on what and I feel like understand that because mm-hmm. like even my wife she grew up in a family where most of them are uh, professors and educators and yeah. stuff like that. So she's right. always this career uh, mindset you know and so when we got married yeah. I was like you know trying to get her into my track of business and all that but you know one of my mentors in business told me hey you know you better let her be in her <laughs> track as a matter of fact the fact that she's not interested in business you now have mm-hmm. some you can put some of your ideas on them to try to get, gauge them on how they think about it because as an entrepreneur yeah. you're always about go 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 you don't even care about the risk you just want to get it done and and if you have somebody that's more centered and you know thinks about a lot of things before they take you know action at least you can you know have that person you can count on to get the non-entrepreneur side of, of thinking about the thing you're about to to get into but i understand how you know having that background of you know entrepreneurs uh, when i grew up influenced me versus how her background was more of the career and all that you know it, it mm-hmm. can influence somebody you know yeah right 
Right. No, that's funny. You know, my husband is is a traditional employee. I'm the entrepreneur in the house. But both of our parents, you know, from both households, we were raised in, in that same way of so. And it's funny how as an entrepreneur, you just you kind of want your spouse to, to get into the business, to join. You know, <laughs> you hear those stories about other power couples who do this. But right, at the same yeah. time, it's funny. It is so refreshing to have that balance. So, so I agree, you know, to have that balance of someone who's not inundated in the business, we're not going at all times. And he does make sure that I take a step back and take a breather every now and then, which I think, you know, sometimes if you're both is so involved in the business can get lost in and of itself. So I, I totally understand, totally understand. <laughs> so, but what do you feel were some of the first steps for you? You already knew that entrepreneurship was in your future. You knew that was where you were headed. What do you feel were some of the first steps you took to really establish yourself as an entrepreneur um, coming into adulthood? Well, so uh, I think the, the, one of the things, you know, because if you take the backstory, you know, I lived in Nigeria, came here for, for college, and then now you're getting, as an international student, getting into a whole new system. You have to learn how things mm -hmm. are and then, you know, go into the whole career route and then eventually realizing, hey, this career thing you know, is really not for me. So one of the things that I did to try to understand, you know, maybe how to play the game here uh, on the business side of things was basically find, you know, uh, you know, uh, some kind of mentorship programs and stuff where you know i could actually go and see people who are doing what i'm trying to get into and yeah obviously you have to pay a fee to whatever to join but at least you know it's either that or going to youtube and podcasts and trying mm -hmm. to uh you know uh learn for free but you don't get the whole knowledge organized because what happens right. is you're going to have to find different uh pieces of information and try to piece mm -hmm. them together versus you know, paying for a specific mentorship program and you go in there and you learn specifically things that have been organized uh, for you in this very thing you're trying to, you know, get into. So that's what I did. And, 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 and so it got into some different uh, real estate and eventually got from real estate into outsourcing and uh, mm -hmm. basically providing a company where uh, I would provide people with um, back office staff from the Philippines, right? And then that yeah. eventually brought me to software, which, you know, if, if you want, I can tell the, you know, how even sweet process, the software actually got started. Yeah. Please. I'd love that. Okay. So now if I skip forward to the journey and this was in, uh, 2013 so uh that's what when sweet process got started but how we got started was i used to run an agency and this was uh i had a, a group of people in the philippines that was working on behalf of my clients and back then mm -hmm. this was when uh you know books like the four hour work week and uh the world is yeah. flat and that used to be a popular way it was opening up small business owners the idea that hey you don't literally have to be like these big companies where mm -hmm. you know uh, the Fortune 500 is where they will go to another company, uh, another country and outsource, you know, a whole large department. And so it made them understand that even the small guys could do this. But then they were coming to us with preconceived notion that they would just literally hire somebody from a different country with a different culture. And the person which is from day one, like magically uh, be able to do their work <laughs> and do it at yes. the skill and level that they would do it. So one of the things we had to do was wow. train them on the idea that, hey, in order for the person to do the work the way you want them to do it, uh, you literally have to have procedures 
mm-hmm. sort of procedures in place that basically show people how the work is done. But uh, as you know, documenting procedures is not the most sexy thing to, to talk about, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of the most critical things to do if you need to be able yes. to scale the business. So we now had to come up with a situation back then where we would actually bring the clients on and part of the onboarding process was having to say, hey, let's walk through a framework where we can identify where are the biggest bottlenecks of you know the tasks that are taking you most of your time. And then we work with you to train on how the task is done. And that back then, this was even before Zoom, would, this was when Skype was the popular thing for meetings. So we'll meet mm-hmm. them online and they will identify a specific task and then we'll go through, you know, training on how that task is done. And behind the scenes, someone is actually training, um, recording that uh, interview session that they're having mm-hmm. with my onboarding staff. And then uh, that will be taken to now turn into a, a document of, you know, step-by-step on how to do that work. But the issues mm-hmm. we run into back then was that back then, these there were not tools built specifically for this problem of documenting mm-hmm. how uh procedures are done especially at the small business scale because there were tools like on the larger scale for like the enterprise and and all that and some very specialized tools that like some of these business uh, uh consultants or, or people that are very in much mm-hmm. they, they do but those tools were hard to use right right so we now say okay first of all i'm not gonna get my customers to use some of these tools because even us it was difficult for us to use imagine the customers trying to use it and they already yeah. have bugs work you gotta do so we now started saying okay let's find some other tools out there that were not necessarily meant for this purpose of you know having a single place online where your knowledge of how your work is done is it's going to be into an, a single place where and you know they were not built for documenting procedures and stuff like this so so we started hacking up together a bunch of different free tools and in my mind i was like you know what there has to be a better way to do this and so fast mm. forward on a podcast you know, similar to like this one where I went on Mixergy, uh, hosted by Andrew Warner, and he put mm-hmm. me on to, uh, to, to talk about how uh, entrepreneurs can streamline their operations and document how they do their work. And I did that. And one of the things that happened after the, the interview, when it was published, my co-founder, all the way from Australia, he's the current CTO and uh, uh, co-founder of Sweet Process, reached out to me after watching the, the interview, said, hey, I loved everything you were talking about in that course. And I want, I have this idea of uh, building an app and I wanted to you know, brainstorm with you on you know, what, you, what you think, right? And after having a conversation with him, realized this dude was trying to build an app that literally is in line with the issue I'm even having while I'm running this agency. I was like, dude, this is just giving you uh, suggestions on what to do. Are you open to us building this together? Because this was literally right. at the very beginning, nothing, you know, started at this point. And mm-hmm. one of the things I want us to do is, if you agree to this, is that I want us to, instead of building the software out, I want us to spend some time having conversations with potential customers uh, because mm-hmm. last thing we want is a situation where the app ends up being as hard to use as the other app, uh, apps we're having issues with right now. So we spent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple of months, like maybe a month or so, just having conversations with, you know, potential customers, recording information, mm-hmm. on and so forth. And so we can understand the real issue that is behind this, you know, what's preventing people from uh, collaborating together to document how work is done. How can we make it easier? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where are the best places to get these insights from them and stuff like that. So we had these interviews and then we synthesized all the different recordings of what we had and we were able to determine, okay, what our app, needs to have as a minimum for us to make it sure that it solves the problem, but not only that, it's easier to use. And then we got rid of all the other bloats and all the other stuff that all the other apps uh, probably have because we felt like, you know, we want to make it simple because the goal is mm-hmm. to 
small to medium sized companies and their employees so they can uh, use this. So fast forward now, sweet process, we have over 2000 uh, companies using the software and typical company runs aside from 20 employees all the way to like the, the larger employees with thousand or more employees. I mean, we have banks using our company uh, our software. We have uh, government agencies using our software. We have, uh, uh, surprisingly, uh, churches and uh, volunteers using our software because at the end of the day, the problem of having that single place where employees can go to find the knowledge of how task is done, mm -hmm. it runs the gamut. It's not industry specific because you, you, you nope. need that, especially for work yeah. that people have to do that cannot be automated. How do you yeah. make sure that they do it predictably? You need mm -hmm. a solution that solves this problem. And so that's how uh, Sweet Process was formed. And if you want, I can you know, share kind of the framework that maybe can help the listener today, regardless of whether they use our software or not, on how they can actually you know, document uh, procedures and make it easier for them. That would be awesome. I would love to hear that. Oh, and I am so excited about your software. I can't even tell you, I can't <laughs> wait to, to dive into it and to start recommending it to clients because it's it's like a dream come true to be honest <laughs> i don't know how much of my audience um, honestly knows this next bit of what i'm about to mention to you but when i started my consulting practice owen i was making operation and procedure manuals from scratch oh yeah <laughs> from scratch right your your software is a dream come true and it's something i'm so excited to to see is available and on the market and so excited to help you share all about it please share the framework with us i'd love okay, to so first of all you know i want to make it so that you know people understand that you know you know running your business maybe eventually you have the mindset that you want to sell it or whatever but let's put it in this context if you're trying to sell a business and you're coming to somebody who potentially the buyer it's two of the same business you and someone else the person that you're coming to sell the business to realizes you don't have you know any kind of systems in place for how the work is done and for the most part it depends on you but so this other person that everything is documented every role is documented every task that happens in their business there are documents in there at any time if someone leaves they can be replaced because onboarding goes very smoothly and fast because all the documentation is there which of the companies do you think will have more value, right? So that's the idea that if you eventually want to sell the business, you know, from the potential buyer, you know, the need to do this. But let's say you don't even want to sell the business, but in order to grow and scale the business, you need to have these things in place. So now that we've covered that whole thing, let me now give you a framework. So the first, you, you've bought into the idea that you want to start documenting procedures. And the next question is, where do you start? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, first things first is I tell people, don't worry about documenting everything. Let's have a, assessment of what we are doing currently right now because we want yeah. to get rid of the things we don't need to do because the thing is we have this whole thing of tribal knowledge of how we've always done things and if you get excited about documentation then next thing you think you want to document everything no let's look at the work you do on a recurring basis and determine yeah. what needs to be documented versus what needs to be eliminated because if it needs to be eliminated no need to document it whatsoever let's just get rid of it now you're mm -hmm. left with the, the recurring tasks that you know you can't get rid of now let's look at those tasks and say okay let's break it down into two different parts the first part are those you know uh sales and marketing the, the sexy stuff that gets 
all the customers in that people always keep talking about. But on the other side of that are those production tasks that actually mm -hmm. help you deliver what you've, you know, got the customer in in the first place, right? So a lot of people might say, oh, let's get started, you know, documenting the, you know, the sales and marketing stuff because we know, you know, if we can document how that's done, I can replace myself there and get more people doing it. But yes, what's going to happen? You're going to have more people coming in yeah. to a business that has bottlenecks and chaos on the production side, which is more, mm -hmm. more people to be pissed at your service, right? So why don't we, we focus on the production side of things first, right? Mm -hmm. so, you know, so now that we are, we're clear on what we're focusing on, I start looking at what is the biggest production-related task that, you know, anytime it happens, it's the biggest one that gives me a headache or is the one that people keep asking the same questions over and over again, the one that, you know, if I'm mm -hmm. not here to address it, things basically come to a screeching halt. So you have to identify the biggest production task where there's a big bottleneck. The reason why is when you start with that and you start getting value from the fact that you've documented how that works and you now start having people do that work, it frees you up to start looking at the next biggest bottleneck on the production side and so on and so forth. And so we start working our way down. So now let's assume that you have identified that biggest uh, bottleneck task on the production side. The next question is, when do you start to document? I, my, my question, my answer to that is, at the time you need to do the work because mm -hmm. that's the best, you go with your mind now is in the best framework to say, okay, the, the, the best mind says, okay, I, I'm about to start this task. I know I do it every, maybe every month I have to do this very task. And now mm -hmm. you have the task. And usually because you don't have documentation in place, you spend some time trying to figure out, okay, what are the materials you need? How do I do it last time? So now I'm saying, when you're about to do this task first, you know, today that's when you start documenting and you might be worried mm -hmm. thinking oh you have to document an encyclopedia no let's get rid of that first of all i want to have you i give you the permission to install in your mind and the mind of your managers the mind of all your employees on ground that this is going to be a thing where we have we are all giving the permission to this is going to be a continuous improvement kind of thing where we are starting wow. from version zero and we're mm -hmm. going to keep building and improving it over time the mm -hmm. reason why i'm saying this is because you are giving the permission that when you're documenting the task at the time you're doing it, you want to document what I call a minimum viable procedure, which is a fancy way of saying a skeleton where it's just the title of mm -hmm. the, uh, the title of the task so that anybody in your company sees that title, they know exactly what they can do when they read that document. So it's how to do whatever you're doing right now, mm -hmm. right? That's the title. And then what you need is just the title of each of the steps. So imagine this task is a 10-step task. By the time you're done with actually doing the work you would also have a document which i call a minimum viable procedure that will have a title of the task and the title of the 10 step but guess what no details filled in just yet just the outline the minimum viable procedure how do we go from that to more details filled in so now but you might have already taught some of your managers or your employees verbally how this task is done you're going to instruct mm -hmm. them anytime you're about to work on this task again we need to have this outline document right there in front of you so that as you're working on it the goal is just to go in there and plug in some details or maybe step one step two, just and, and we don't want that much information we just want some minimum text in there some screenshot mm -hmm. in there or some video and the caveat with video is that if you don't do video don't make a movie because we want the video to be like one minute or less for each step so that if someone is looking at that very step they can follow the instructions completely for that step and it's concise to that step. So what happens is as they are working on the task each time moving forward, they are improving the document. And then every time mm -hmm. the document is improved, 
you should be aware of this so that you can go back and look at the document where it is now and see, okay, it's making sense. And so the reason is, as they're doing this over time, that document is improving from version one or version two and it's adding more value into it. And the reason why I say mm -hmm. you need to marry it up with when the work is actually being done is because a lot of the insights for improvements mm -hmm. come when the work is being actually done. Because they might see something that you had 10 steps in then and they started doing the work yeah. and realize, hey, we need to eliminate three steps out of this because they found a better way to do it. So a lot of the insights for improvement comes from when the work is being done. But I've just shown you how to go through that dance. And now after that, you find the next uh, 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 task on the production side to do that same dance with and you start, before you know, over time you've done that for all the different production documents. And then you start looking at the sales and marketing side of things. You do the same things for them. And then you now have all those documents in place. And obviously, when you've documented all that on the sales and marketing side, you can start bringing more employees to mm -hmm. follow your instructions that you already have in place, knowing that, you know, on the production side of things, it's taken care of because you already have those documents in place as well. So now the next thing that someone might be saying is, I get this, uh, but what if my employees don't have enough time to do this? Well, there's also a, 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 another option where you can hire what is called a process consultant. They can come into mm -hmm. your company, go through how you work, help you figure out what you need to eliminate. And maybe they might use a tool like Street Process to actually help you <laughs> document how the work is done. But I always encourage people that you need to make sure that this is something your employees actually do. So, hey, you can always incentivize your employee and, and make sure that, mm -hmm. hey, they're not only are they going to be paid for the extra time that they have actually helped you to um, create these documents because, you know, can pay them or you can bring on someone into your company who's their role specifically is to to spearhead this project right someone mm -hmm. in operations, whatever but make sure if your employees are doing this that they are uh, you know incentivized paid to do it another thing that you can do to kind of uh, encourage a culture that comes continuous improvement is when any, anytime an employee comes and asks you hey how do i do this right and let's say for instance you, you've bought into the idea of using three process and you're using three process the first answer to that question is have you checked three process for the answer mm -hmm. And now over time you are uh, building this culture, this um, uh, uh, character in them that, hey, every time before I ask my manager or my boss for how to do something, I need to go into the, the single source of truth, which is serial process to see if we already have that document in there. And if they have mm -hmm. it in there on how it's done, and they go ahead and get the work done. And what happens too now is when they start doing that, they're, they're building this habit. And then eventually it comes across a situation where they are asking a question where there's no document in place already for that. Now that triggers a task for, the manager to know, hey, I need to build this document because this is a new question with not address. I need to build this document. And now you see a new document has been added into three process based on the fact that uh, the manager, the, the employees couldn't get the answer for what they needed. Another thing too that happens in terms of encouraging this is as the employees start, you know, looking through the documents and uh, instead of three process for what they need to do on their daily basis. They will see a lot of times when there's improvements to a step or when there's changes and any communication or conversation that's going back and forth inside of the document, they see it's always, you know, it's tagged to this employee, tagged to that employee. So what does that do in the mind of, you know, this other employee? Well, I see my colleague is always in there making improvements and when he's making improvements, the manager is approving his improvement, uh, the, 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 the things he added, right? This mm -hmm. is an active employee going there to help to change how we do work, that tells another employee, maybe I should start doing this too, because mm -hmm. I can literally see every time there's a change, I see who is tied to, who was uh, uh, credited to. Now your employees all get into this dance of actually uh, yeah. doing it. 
an additional thing to sell this whole idea of, of, of an employee's being involved in this is that you were always talking about you know the culture of a company, but think about it this way. If you can be part of a company where they encourage you to actually go there and practically improve on how work is done, there's no better way of saying that the, the, the culture is the best culture because they're literally help telling you, come, no, come work for us. But whenever mm -hmm. we're doing work, we want you to get the insight to improve the actual underlying documents that show how we do work here. I mean, uh, there's no better way of saying, you know, the best type of company to work for is the type that encourages you to, to improve how you work uh, with them and improve the results that your work does for them. So I hope I've really tried to clarify in the, the minds of the listener, not only the framework of how to do it, but also giving them, you know, some tips and strategy to really, you know, get this moving forward in their company. Definitely. It goes back to streamlining, templating, and batching those pieces out and really being able to hand that off to someone else as they're coming in. No, Owen, thank you. Thank you for, for walking us through the, the way that you help your clients and how it is that your software is helping clients. I am super excited to dive in. I can't wait because it sounds like everything I do manually on a regular basis is like wrapped <laughs> up into this tiny package like of a dream come true. So it sounds like you heard about my show and then created a product for me and then came on my show to present it to, I don't know. Anyhow, I'm just grateful right now. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm glad to be. And, and it goes back to actually the interviews we did with uh, potential customers before we even started you know, creating the software. One of right. the key things we learned was not only do we need to make sure the software is easy to use, but we also have to marry the whole idea of collaborating to document how the work is done with the actual place where the work is actually be being done. Because one thing you realize is these documents can get stale and old quickly if yeah. there's not that conscious effort of improving yeah. them. And where do you get the most uh, insights for improvement is where the work is being done. So we have to marry the task management with the actual documentation. So in our app, yeah. not only can you document, you know, collaborate together to document how the work is done, but you can also uh, get tasks assigned to your employees and track how work is being done. Because one of the things in our app, you cannot even assign tasks to someone without it being based on an underlying procedure that shows mm -hmm. them step-by-step step how the work is done or on, 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 right. on an underlying process. So employees can never say, I don't know how the work is done because right, it's right. literally showing you step one, do this. <laughs> These are the details for step one. Step two, do that. These are this, and as you're going through the task, you are checking off the steps, and uh, uh, you're checking off the step, and the task is being tracked. And one of the things that happens on the task management side of the app is that, if, for instance, an employee is going through a ten-step task, and for instance, they get to a specific step that you know, in, you know, on the ground, it doesn't apply, they can pass that information back to the mm -hmm. manager who is responsible for that document. And the manager can say, oh, that's true. We didn't account for this when we were building out this document. And then in real time, the manager can make the changes to the underlying document and then press a button. And after it's been approved, the task instance that the employee is working on is automatically upgraded with the new changes while they're on the ground to do the work, right? So these are the kind of things that, you know, we had to, to learn on when we had these initial interviews with, uh, with people and we had to make sure that we built it uh, into the software. That sounds like you've done an absolutely lovely job. And I, I truly can't wait to just dive in and experience the program for myself because it is very exciting. So I have to I have to ask, 
if you had the ability to go back, say 10, 15 years mm-hmm. and tell yourself just one thing, what do you feel like it would be? Don't change. Because here's the reason why I say don't change is because all the mistakes and all the things that I've done and all the lessons I've learned is what makes me this version of me today. And if I go back and change something, I don't know what version I'll be. So I'll say my, my thing is don't change anything. Let's keep going where we are, but focus on today and then the things you want to do in the future because the actions and the things you're taking today is what influences where you need to, to, to be uh, tomorrow. Because for me, the failure is not necessarily failure. It's just I learned something. And that's a glass mm-hmm. half full versus glass half empty way of thinking of things. Yes, it's pa- failure is going to hurt. Well, if you, if, you look at, if you look at failure as learning, uh, yes, you learn and it hurts, but you know, you're going to keep moving on and you're going to improve over time. So it's the same mindset of the continuous improvement. Yeah, but apply it to, uh, uh, to personal life as well. The audience already knows what I'm about to say to you. There's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. That's all there is. As long as you can grow, there's no such thing as failure. Oh, and you have been outstanding. And I truly appreciate you sharing your practice and your journey with us. The very last question of the show is is so silly and almost irrelevant based off of your last answer. Because like you said, don't change. There's nothing to change. You just have to learn from every single instance and move forward. And normally we wrap up the show by asking, you know, if you had a magic wand and could change anything at all in your process or your practice today, what would it be and why? But to be honest, me, you, go if, for if it. I, I would say be better at learning, be better at, you know, you make a mistake. Or you, you, you have to come back and unpack this experience because mm. if you don't take that conscious effort of sitting back and reflecting over you know, what happens, you don't even get to see the things, the lessons that you're, you're supposed to learn from it. So I think my, my, my answer for myself is don't really change anything, but just get better at being able to reflect on the lessons because you can be able to pick out gems that uh, you, know, you didn't see because you just glazed over it i want to be get you know get better at uh reviewing the, the actions i took and the outcomes not only that i mean if you if failure is painful to you which it is i'm not gonna lie but you know you can always learn from people who have failed that's why i like uh, autobiographies because you know that's the best way to learn you know whether it's the ones that they wrote themselves or the ones people write about people you know especially you know entrepreneurs or whatever you there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the the failures of others so that you don't necessarily have to repeat it but you can learn from uh, how they uh, do things uh, granted you know a lot of uh, uh, books are you know on autobiographies uh, autobiographies about things in the past so if you want to learn things in the future i tend to also look at podcasts because podcasts mm. you know especially this episode of podcast where there's you know continuous uh, episodes being brought out they tend to have a lot of lessons that you can learn from the people you're trying to learn from but things that are happening now Right. So another hack that I have is if you're trying to learn some specific uh, topic or in some specific area, find an expert in it who is going out doing a lot of interviews. Right. So the first thing you can do is you go and look for all the different podcasts that have appeared on and start listening to mm-hmm. different things they're saying because they're going to be telling you stuff that's happening in real time that they're doing. Yeah. And maybe some of the things you learn in each of the podcasts is a repeat of the other, but by the time you listen to 10 different episodes, you'll get some new insights yes. that, you know, that yes. they didn't cover in the previous podcast. 
And if 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 you don't have that time to uh, do that whole uh, hacking together the different story, if they have a a course or something or some mentorship program, just go sign up for it and just get the package of everything all uh, right there in front of you. So you know you can always pay for the education and uh, you know use it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh, and I thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, for sharing sweet process with us, for sharing your time and energy this afternoon. Please share the best way for the audience to find you. The best way to find me literally is just go to even I, I connect with everybody on LinkedIn. If you, as long as you have a picture of who you are, because I don't like this profile. <laughs> I mean, on LinkedIn, this is a place where we're all talking about our, you know, our accomplishments yes. and business-wise, and there's no uh, photo of your portrait. So, you know, as long as you have a portrait of yourself, so I know I'm connecting with, just connect with me. Oh, just Owen Mugabe now on on on, on uh, LinkedIn, and I connect with, you know, literally almost everybody who connects back uh, with me. Uh, but I also want to leave the listeners with a gift because I know I shared you a framework on how to document procedures in your company and went through tips and all that. Uh, one of the things we have is if you go on our website by default, there's a 14 day trial that you can try the software and if you like it, then buy it. But just because you're missing all the way to this point, I want to give you an extended trial. So you get a 28 day trial. And to get that, you go to sweetprocess.com forward slash Laurie Brooks. So it's sweet like candy, prospectprocess.com forward slash Laurie Brooks. And you get access to the extended trial. Oh, and I. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have been absolutely outstanding. I truly appreciate you sharing with the audience today. So, thank you. Thanks, Lori, for having me.